The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous. Get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me. Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be. Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie De La Tour, and this week we have a story from comedian and storyteller Emily Epstein-White. How's your week going? I wanted to give you a little behind the scenes on what's been happening here at Body. We have been trying to find a new podcast producer because Marty Garcia is planning to leave. In fact, he starts a new job really soon, but Marty made sure I understood that he's not going to leave me high and dry. So he's helping out until we can figure things out. Things are changing, y'all. I'm kind of afraid to tell you this, but I've been pretty silent here on the podcast because I'm going through a really painful breakup. My partner of almost 12 years dumped me on my birthday and told me he didn't love me anymore. And that's going to change everything in my life. I'm trying to roll with it. I've signed up for a crisis management mental health class. Um, My next workshop, I think is called Cope 101. How to figure out moving on when you're rolling in grief. And I was really afraid to tell you that. So be kind, okay? Realize that I need to take care of myself It's not going to stop the podcast. The podcast will still be here, but it's going to give me pause while I figure out whether I'm going to live shows or live streams or who my new podcast producer is going to be, any of those things. I just need some time to think things through. I want to say thank you for listening through all of this. Thank you for, we're about to celebrate five years of the podcast. And I'm kind of amazed that we're still going strong, even through a pandemic, even through the devastating loss of a 12-year relationship, I'm sure that the podcast is going to continue because it's important that it does. The fan mail that I get every week tells me that this changes people's lives. I got one just this week from the South telling me that there's nothing like body and they're so grateful that they get to listen in every week. So I know it's important. It's my life's work. I'm going to continue. Yeah, just thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your letters. And I'll let you know more when I'm feeling brave enough to share it. Like me, you value sex positivity, right? Don't you wish there was a place to share your desires and interests directly in your dating profile? Well, there is. 
and I'm inviting you to check out the Field app. If you're looking to celebrate individualism and sexuality without shame, Field is a fun, easy way to explore. Field is the alternative dating app for couples and singles. Field has built a community for awesome, ethical, and honest people seeking to connect and explore their desires. And you can choose from a wide array of desires, from cuddling and long kisses to BDSM and shibari and more. Field was originally designed for people seeking threesomes, and it's the biggest dating app for threesomes today. Plus, Field has two features that make it stand out. Paired profiles. With paired profiles, you and your partner each maintain your own accounts on your own devices, but link them together to show the Field community that you're a couple. And there's virtual core. Field cores are areas with high concentrations of members. Now there are also virtual locations where you can connect with humans from around the globe. If you live in a place where the app is still growing, or you simply want to visit other cities and meet the local humans on field without traveling, you can teleport to one of the field cores. The app is inclusive to all, no matter your gender or orientation. When you join, you can choose to identify as over 20 plus genders and sexualities. The New York Times wrote that Fields options put the Kinsey scale to shame. And here's some great news. You can download the Field app for free and support the Body Storytelling Podcast by using the link in this episode's show notes. So if you're ready to make your wildest dreams come true, download the Field app and try it for yourself. That's spelled F-E-E-L-D. And be sure to let them know that I sent you by using the code Dixie50. I hope to see you on field. I do this podcast because I want people to normalize talking about sex and kink. It's something we all are interested in. And for some reason, we feel ashamed to talk about it. So the stories that you hear here on the podcast are people who were brave. And you learned about yourself listening to their story, right? So if you would tell just one friend about the Body Storytelling Podcast, if you would go to wherever you listen to podcasts and write us a review, it means new people would listen and more people would feel like it's okay to talk about what they like and what they're interested in and feel less alone and less like a weirdo. Because we're all weirdos, right? Let's normalize being a weirdo. Thanks in advance for writing us a review, telling a friend, and for listening. Oh, it's time for a story. Let me tell you about this week's storyteller. New York to Oakland to Philly, comedian and storyteller Emily Epstein-White has been trapped in a self-cleaning toilet, has stitches from a treadmill accident, and once hung off the front of a truck like a hood ornament to avoid being run over. She performs all around Philadelphia, New York City, the Northeast, San Francisco and the Bay Area, and the West Coast, not to mention a boat in the middle of the Yangtze River in China. She has been featured on Free Speech TV, several times on the Q Show on Fox, and in many festivals and publications such as the 360 Comedy Festival, the She-Devil Comedy Festival, the Bechtel Test Fest, a semi-finalist twice at Helium Comedy Club's Philly Funniest Competition, the Boston Globe, and has won the San Francisco Moth Slam. This storyteller is Emily Epstein-White. Holy 
Holy shit. So when you talk about when you talk about love and sacrificing for love, uh, the biggest thing that I can think of is uh, pushing something the size of a watermelon out of your vagina. That to me seems like a pretty big sacrifice. Like we're talking about the one from Dirty Dancing, the gener- like the big one where she had to like walk up like that, like that sort of thing. And I never really thought about whether I was going to be a mother or not. Like, I didn't think I wasn't going to be, but it wasn't a life goal. I was just sort of like, eh, who knows, maybe, maybe not. And then I met this delightful gentleman, Elon, who uh, I dated for a long time. And then we got married, because that's what you do when you're conventional folk. And then people just started asking me if we were going to have kids. My mother-in-law waited until five minutes after we were married. Like, literally, she's like, welcome to the family. Start fucking. That's that's what she did. That was the, and she dates Jesus. Like she's a religious lady, and that was pretty much the gist of the conversation. My parents waited a little bit longer, but once they started, they were absolutely relentless. And then it was interesting because once people knew we were married, friends and acquaintances all just felt the need to share their feelings too. Now here's the thing: I am a uh, sassy Russian Jew. If you can't tell from looking at my face, thank you very much. Thank you. There are no Nazis in the audience. Um, and you can probably tell that from looking at me, I, uh, I kind of wear it like a Technicolor dream coat is what I've been told. And my husband, Elon, is a delightful black fellow and uh, people love to tell us how cute our kids are gonna be. Like all the time. And like, when are we gonna have them? No, like seriously, hurry up, like do it now. Why are you talking to me? Go fuck him. Like that's pretty much conversations I have with strangers at Berkeley Bowl, okay? (laughs) Now here's the thing when you go up to someone and tell them that their mixed child is going to be adorable. uh, First of all, that's racist. That's a racist thing, okay? Uh, Second of all, that is a lot of pressure, you guys. That is a lot of pressure. Because the thing is, like, there are a lot of really beautiful mixed people out there. I'm gonna, Drake has really worked with what he has. Uh, (laughs) Despite the eyebrows, Lenny Kravitz has done some really good work. Lisa Bonet, good people, right? But you could also end up with someone like Slash, okay? (laughs) You might not know that Slash is biracial. His birth name is Saul, okay? You also might not know what he looks like under all that hair. There might be a reason for that, okay? (laughs) But here's the thing. Despite all that pressure, a friend of mine gave me really good advice. And she said, you know what? It's not about the present. Because you will never be ready to have a child. You will never be wealthy enough or stable enough or happy enough or any combination of those things. You have to look into the future. In 10 years, are you going to be sorry that you didn't get knocked up? And I thought about it, and I was like, maybe, I might be. Uh, I have nothing to show for my career, so a kid might be a good thing. (laughs) And I like dogs, and they're kind of similar to children, so there's that. And I haven't killed one of those yet. And I am kind of curious what my kid is gonna look like. So, thus starts the fun process of trying, right? I hate that word, but I love when you say trying, you can just talk to anybody about the fact that you're fucking, right? You can talk to your parents, you can talk to your grandparents, you can talk to that same bitch you were in line with at Berkeley Bowl, just anybody. It's so great. I really hate Berkeley Bowl, you guys, I really do. 
start to do, like, you just start having a lot of sex, and it's really fun because you get to do a raw dog and all the stuff that you worried about before. You're like, all right, let's just do it. It's good. There are no bad ramifications. You've been tested, right? We're good. Okay. So you just start doing it, and it's fun, but you're not getting pregnant right away. So you're like, all right, I'm going to do some research. I'm going to figure out what the good positions are. Surprisingly, missionary is really good. They knew what they were doing. It's all about procreating. Doggy style, also excellent. Uh, there's also a position called mountain, Magic Mountain, not to be confused with Magic Mike, which is like doggy style, but the dude sort of just falls over you at the end. And then there's another one that I love. I've done some research, guys. I've seen things I can't unsee. <laughs> there is another one called Butterfly, where you lie down on a table, put your arms up in your air, and the dude just goes to town and pounds away. It's good times, you guys. The other thing that's amazing about fucking to get pregnant is it's all about the woman, right? Because it's really important that the woman has an orgasm, right? All the time. Uh the time and the man too but let's talk about the woman um because if she has an orgasm then her uterus contracts and it's more likely to take those little sperm fellas and make something happen right i know how about how's this for sex ed you guys good times so we were doing all these things and we were having sex and it was so great it was so fun and we weren't getting pregnant and we were like what the hell and so we kept fucking and then we listened to to kim kardashian and kanye west who have sex every day those fuckers and we're like i don't have that kind of time but we had a lot of sex you guys and we didn't get pregnant so then we started looking at those little ovulation things which are not that fun because all of a sudden someone's telling you to fuck on a schedule and i don't like following rules do you guys like following rules it is so bullshit right so we keep having sex and we keep trying and then we start to doubt ourselves and I start thinking to myself you know what I have never had a pregnancy scare maybe there's a reason for that and my husband's like there was a period when I wore briefs and smoked a lot of pot and perhaps I don't have swimmers and it got very stressful it's hard on a relationship when you're fucking for a goal of not just having a good time right and so every time my period was late I would take a test and I was never pregnant and that got sad but we're like all right we'll just keep going and this happened for a year and I realized it is very hard for some people and for us compared to many others not that bad right a year later I'm late I take a test it comes up positive but it's faint and I was like, can I be a little bit pregnant? <laughs> Just a tinge. Just a smidge. So I was like, I'm not going to tell Elon about it yet. I need to do some reconnaissance work, but I only had one pregnancy test, right? So I go through the whole day. I don't tell him. And that night he goes, why don't we go out and get drunk? And I was like, about that, <laughs> there is a chance that I'm a little bit pregnant. And he was like, what? So we do what any crazy-ass kids do at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. We go to Target, and we buy, like, 35,000 pregnancy tests. <laughs> he was doing that, like, sitcom thing where he's like, Whoa! and just, like, putting everything. And I was like, that's for gonorrhea. That's for your urethra. That is a condom. You're not doing this right at all. <laughs> So we find out that we're pregnant and we're very excited and we're doing pregnant shit like planning things and then worrying some more about money and if we're going to be good parents and if this is really what we want. Like after listening to Jefferson's song, I don't know, I'm having some doubts. And then we start telling people and that's a fun part too. But the weird thing, if you want to get weird responses from people, tell people that you're pregnant. People will say weird ass shit to you. 
Like, I am a performer, and I would tell people I was pregnant, and the guys would come up to me like, oh, man, it's been really fun performing with you. I'm really going to miss you. I'm like, I don't have cancer, and I don't give birth out of my mouth. Like, I can keep going. There were also weird things where, like, I would walk into a place where people knew I was pregnant, and they'd be like, damn, look at those boobs! And I was like, I'm right here. They are magnificent. But seriously, look, look at everything. And then if you want things to get even weirder, have a biracial kid. The things that people will say to you is insane. People said to me, multiple people said to me, did you know that you're having a black child? And I was like, uh, well, I knew the father that knocked me up. So yeah, it wasn't really a surprise. I know he's black. Uh, several other people also said to me, and I quote, now that you're having a black child, do you identify as African-American? I was like, I don't think that's how race works. And I'm Korean now. That's not how it works, guys. Uh, and I blame Rachel Dolezal for that shit, okay? That is not okay. Not okay. So I'd been thinking about all these things and it's progressing and I'm getting more pregnant and I realized that there's something important that I haven't thought about, which is at some point the kid is going to go from inside my body to outside of my body. And it's just not like, kazam, and then the kid's outside your body. So I started to freak out about that. So I got a midwife and I started thinking about a doula. Also, Erica Badu is a doula. If anyone has her number, I will, I will name my child after you because that would be a fucking fun pregnancy, wouldn't it? Where she's just like, I'm just gonna sing you out. I'm like, please, sing her out, let's go. But I was terrified about giving birth to this child because it is not supposed to be pleasant. And granted, God or science or whatever does some shit where you don't remember all the pain so you do it again so we don't all just go extinct. But still, very scary, right? So I'm having dinner with a bunch of my girlfriends one night and we're talking about this and one of them is like, just watch this video. So she makes me watch this video and it's an ecstatic or orgasmic birth. Google that shit, you guys. It is really intense, really intense. But this woman is giving birth and you're watching it come out and instead of screaming or cursing her mate or being like, you ruined my life, she's like, woo, woo, woo. And then the baby comes out. And I start to realize maybe this shit isn't so bad. It's a natural thing. People have been giving birth for thousands of years. Sometimes they just do it in a field and go back to work, right? What am I so worried about? So I started Googling it myself and looking into it, and I got all this weird advice on the internet, like, well, you know, we did have sex, but once my water broke, we stopped. And I was like, that's very kind of you. A penis sometimes gets in the way of a head crowning, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I started thinking, you know what? Maybe this won't be so bad. And here's the thing. I don't know the end of this story yet, because I am going to have a baby in two and a half months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, woman's work indeed, right? But I'm excited and I'm ready to have this kid and it's natural and it's beautiful and I probably won't fuck my husband right before she comes out. But uh, maybe I'll have the most amazing orgasm of my life when I have her. But either way, I know that this sure as hell is a labor of love. Thank you very much. I'm 
attracted to a certain kind of female That's beautiful, comparable to no other It's only fair that I share with you the detail That pretty soon that type will be a mother It's not transmittable like a dog bite passes rabies I'm just so turned on by a woman full of babies She's all knocked up, what a knockout Belly popping out, that's what I'm talking about She's expecting I'm erecting She's with child and curvy Guess that makes me kind of pervy Yeah, I get it Pregnant women are so sexy There, I said it It's got nothing to do with the bun that's in the oven Rest assured I'm not some weird molester It's about the glow, the confidence that I'm loving And I like kids between the first and third trimester huh. Her effervescence makes me feel less like a cynic Nothing makes me too messin' like a prenatal clinic She's all knocked up, what a knockout Belly poppin' out, that's what I'm talking about She's expecting I'm erecting Makes me a sweaty brown wiper Makes me wanna wear a diaper and then wet it Ugh. Pregnant women are so sexy, there I said it their hair and skin shine and it's softer than silk Maternal maidens made of similar ilk And if I get a peek at where they're making all that milk I might explode Oh, she make my water break and I should be ashamed of myself But I'm not that's your wife, your girl, your surrogate, a lover I'm not the only one to think she's yummy I mean no disrespect, I'm no dummy I think pregnant women should be respected Because they face the pressure of not only caring But delivering, nursing, and nurturing, and raising Another human being, which is an instinctually natural process Also riddled with self-doubt, financial expectations Worry, pressure, selfless, muted ambivalence And also boobs and butts and a big round tummy be wrong, it might come off as naughty, but show me a woman who's showing and I'll show you a hottie Oh, all knocked up, what a knockout belly popping out, that's what I'm talking about, she's expecting I'm erecting she's gonna be a mommy, that's why I'm touching my salami, no, 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 no Pregnant women are so sexy, there I said it One more time, all knocked up What a knockout, belly popping out That's what I'm talking about She'll be lactating, I'll be masturbating Hey, they're good looking Said what you got cooking Oh yeah, baby, wow That's a lady that's a full of baby Aroosgadoo Her little waddle turns my throttle Vroom, vroom Pregnant women, this one's for you And I really hope 
was Dirty Little Secret by Jefferson Berge. Emily did not name her child Jefferson, but she did indeed give birth in a delivery that was far from orgasmic several months later to a little girl named Sydney. And a few years later, she gave birth to a little boy named Alexander. Then the pandemic happened and she realized she may have had 100% more children than she had bargained for, but everyone in her house is alive and mostly feral. Thanks for the update, Emily. I'm not sure what to do next. Should I go back to live streaming? Should I go back to live shows? The Delta variant has me very concerned. And I'm watching numbers spike here in the Bay Area. So until I can figure out what to do, I want to say thank you to the people on Patreon who've been supporting this show. I would never have made it out of the first lockdown if not for Patreon. And there's a part of me that's concerned we're headed back to lockdown again. So if you could join us on Patreon. We have special perks for members, and you can ensure that body storytelling sticks around. We're not out of the woods yet. So go to patreon.com slash body. Support us at any level that you can. And thanks in advance for your support. Well, that's our time for this week. But before I go, I want to say thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Thank you to David Grossoff, to Joe Moore, to Donald Mooney, to Mosa Maxwell-Smith, and most of all, thank you to podcast producer Marty Garcia. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delator. This has been episode 186 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. See you next week, pervert, and thanks for listening.